Welcome to Third World Gaming, the number 37 show according to a cat's letter box. Hey guys. And to a cactus's intuition. Strange that one is. Hey guys, I'm... alive and they want to get our juices. I don't want to know what you look for on the internet. Anyway, so I was saying, I'm Miko, the Iran Gamer, and with me is Paolo, the man of many, many ideas. Yes, I thought of cactuses, juices, and stingrays flying in the sky. We don't talk about those things, Paolo. What? But stingrays <laughs> flying in the we sky. We talk about games in the third world. Yeah, so let's make a game about air stingrays. I have somehow have a feeling I played that game before on the Atari or maybe on the Sega. Yeah, you know, Invasion of the Air Stingrays. You know, with like 50 meter wingspans. I did not play that game. <laughs> anyway, so hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, once again, this show is about gaming in the third world. It might not be very clear about our title. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're about to talk about something that's very keen to the third world. Some A culture of gaming that... Well, I primarily see in Asia, but something I've really noticed as pretty huge in the third world with the exception of Korea, which has is a bit bigger in a whole different level. Now, at this yeah. point, you might have figured out, no, it's not Dota. No, it's not StarCraft. It's where they play it. The yes. Internet Cafe. Yes. Internet cafe cafes. culture. Cafes. Now, a lot of people here know Internet Cafes as essentially gaming centers nowadays. I mean, these are places where you go on PC and a number of them actually have consoles, like the ones I see around Cebu. Uh, wait, 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 what? Really? Yeah. Uh, some of them actually have consoles. Some of them actually have Xbox, PS3, hmm. PS4, uh, X- the Xbone. Uh, really? They're very diverse now with the gaming things. Um, This is new to me. Uh, like, the, like, They still have the PCs, right? Oh, of course, they have the PCs, but they actually have those as options. Uh, PS Mania is actually one of the very first places I went to that uh, had the combo of PlayStation 2 at that time with the computer, and I believe they also had the Xbox. Okay. And I even went to another one that had the Connect. But I think Connect things yeah. are a bit more popular nowadays, especially like uh, I think it was Redbox or something. They actually had the Connect. Redbox. And yeah, Redbox had movies and Connect rent. Anyway, those are different from cafes, but yes, you guys know internet cafes as essentially gaming areas where you see people play Dota, LOL, Haunt, Counter-Strike, StarCraft, you play, uh, a you, number, way too many MMOs, watch YouTube. More than you count. Um, you watch YouTube, use the, so, use the socials, occasionally do stuff for school. Yeah, and actually I noticed a lot of guys go there just to read manga online. Yeah, actually that's a very common thing. Yeah, actually, I found that weird because that's something very common for me. But yeah, it's becoming pretty huge where you see people going that read manga. Okay. Anyway, you guys remember cafes as this. Now, cafes as you see them right now, they were nothing like that back in the 90s when the first cafes started coming out. Now, the term internet cafe was, well, closer to being a business center than it was an internet hub. Like how much of a business center? Like all you really had for software was... Uh, Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint. You had back in the day uh, Netscape, Internet Explorer. Yeah, the Explorer was still there. Uh, you um you can't take out Internet Explorer from Windows stuff. No, you can just replace it. Yeah, <laughs> but you can't. You know. But yeah, they had Netscape, out. which I think was a predecessor of um, Mozilla. Was that right? I am. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's uh, the Linux guys mentioned it in one of their episodes, or maybe talk about the Bedanga Nights. Anyway, back then, uh, cafes were really meant for, well, work and business things. Uh, Back in the 90s, also, the reason why such, 
gaming on a PC. I mean, I, I I game on a Mac. I back then I had a Mac. I had a very basic PC, but back then PC gaming was really non-existent. Uh, to what extent? The, well, when you played PC, essentially the games you played were Solitaire, Minesweeper, uh, Pinball for some machines. Okay. Uh, gaming on the PC was extremely limited. Uh, so I mean, you're uh, you're saying it? You could count it with one hand. Pretty much. I mean, the really nice games, or at least what we considered games. Uh, growing up, the things I played on the computer were point-and-click adventures. Okay. Uh, primarily Captain Keen, uh, Dave the Tentacle, uh, Indiana Jones the Infernal Machine, Sam and Max Hit the Road. It was those types of games. Uh, very simplified things. The closest thing I played to something being a bit more complicated was uh, Red Alert 1 uh, by Westwood at that time. Okay. But gaming was pretty limited. And cafes, well, they were never geared to gaming. I mean, cafes only had games that would be on the computer, which was Solitaire and such. Mm. Uh, when you went there, it was Jenny to use the internet. Now, you might be wondering, why would you go to this place just to use the internet? Well, back then, this in was the 90s... During the bur- this was technically during around the time where the internet, you know, started being a thing. So, well, internet infrastructure wasn't exactly... Well, well established or well spread out at the time, well, and that, also there was also the consideration that, generally speaking, when you were ever talking about internet, you were talking about dial-up. Not just that, and back in that day, back in the nineties, there were probably less than eight thousand websites. Yeah, only eight hundred were popular, and I mean Google wasn't even a thing back then. Yeah, there weren't search engines. I know there were search engines, but not as Google showed them being extremely simple. I mean, you had Yahoo, you had the you had the Netscape uh, system. Oh yeah, you're right. uh, but Yahoo they were very, stuff. very and Alta Vista, but they were very they were very uh, different to what we acknowledge today. Yeah, back then, uh, internet, as Paolo said, was dial-up. It was well, this box that made really, really weird noise that most of you probably have never heard of. <laughs> That's Paolo's rendition, and if you're in the headset, I'm very, very sorry. I, t- I have no shame for what I have done, though I apologize for the damage I may have caused. But yeah, uh, the modem back then, yeah, it made those weird noises, and you could not use the phone. This might be strange to you guys, but yeah, when the internet was going on, when you're using it, the phone line was also being used. So you could not use it. You could not actually... When you picked up the phone and put it next to your ear, you will hear that sound constantly going on. But usually what happens is that the moment you pick it up, your connection is cut. Yeah. And also then, the internet speeds you're looking at were 56 Mm. kilobytes per second, upwards 256 kilobytes per second. I remember when I was... The very first game I played online was Diablo 1 on the Battle.net system. Okay. And we actually connected via IP. I was running about 128 kilobytes per second that time to 256. Okay. And that's all you needed to be smooth? Oh, as smooth as it could get. I mean, there were very obvious delays, but it wasn't okay. bad. Okay. And it helped that the game was extremely simplistic. Okay. I mean, then, you know, Diablo 1 had no sprinting, had very simple inventory system. Everything there was overly simplified. And that was the very first game I replayed that was online, per se. Hmm. So, back then, you didn't really need to get the internet. I mean, it wasn't something immediately useful for people because they didn't see the point of it. It wasn't. It was only, I think, to the late 90s, to the early 2000s, where people realized, hey, the internet is a fantastic thing to have. 
but even then the interest fees are still generally low and people still would not invest in them so simply put simply uh simply put it was a lot easier for people to go to net cafes uh to use the internet and do some basic things you didn't have to pay much uh internet cafes back then ranged anywhere between uh 25 to 35 pesos per hour okay and yeah you didn't play games on them that that's essentially how they all started it was really just place where you work to do your printing uh documents you can get your emails even then an email was extremely rare to get yeah. It was actually I still remember getting snail mail as a kid, and oh, emails okay. were like, "Wow, I have an, I have an email." Hmm. Okay. Nowadays, you know, it's the reverse where an email is so common, you get snail mail. It's like, "Wow, I got I got snail mail." No, no, no. When I think of getting snail sa- snail mail, I think of getting getting an invitation to a conspiracy. Like, I'm only going I'm only going there because of the. Fu- because of the fact that so few people use it that if someone uses it, oh, it's gotta be important and can't be shared with anyone. Oh, okay. Well, I guess you make some sense there. But yeah, uh, the first time I actually played the video game in the cafe, uh, since there were no games available there, I had to install a game into it. Uh, it was me and my dad. We were playing in this net cafe right outside our house. Uh, they had zero games. So I actually had to talk to Mask and I installed this game so my dad and I can play. He's like, Okay, sure. They found it actually so amusing to see someone try to install games to play in the net cafe, which they saw was, you know, people here just want to do their typing and stuff. But yeah, so installed, it was War Games, a very nice game, which they made a sequel to that thing. Uh, there might be a sequel, there is, let me know in the comments. Uh, <laughs> but it was a fun game, and my dad and I would always have to reinstall it just to play there. Until okay. we started playing in uh, Discovery Zone, which was this computer school my relatives had, where we play Red Alert 1, War Games, essentially RTS. We never really went into any sort of FPS game at that point. Uh, we played Age of Empires, I remember that one. Fun game. But the times I remember where we, where there was a sh- obvious shift into the gaming market was, I think, when I was at seventh, about fifth or sixth grade, already, yeah, where we were having computer classes, and right after that, we'd be playing uh, Counter Strike. Uh, we right. played Counter Strike. Counter Strike uh, uh, came out. Yeah, and Counter Strike. This is right after the beta, so <coughs> uh, people don't realize this, but the beta of Counter Strike had a the M4 came with a scope. It did not come with a suppressor. Yeah, it was the version right after that that had a suppressor, not a scope. Because That's why if you look I'm at the outline of the gun, there's always an ACOG on top of it. Yeah. But you never get one. That's yeah. the reason. It's just like what's left behind the code and they just always kept it there. Yeah. And if I'm correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that scope um, kind of uh, messed with the balance of the game? Yeah, it did. It really did because you started a scope gun fairly early in. Fairly oh, okay. early in the game. Uh, okay. Now, you might be wondering if, gaming ca- if these things mm-hmm. were like that, how did we game? Well, nowadays we talk about the PC Master Race. Back in the 90s and a little earlier than that, if you were a gamer, you were either in the arcade or you had a console. Yes. And multiplayer games was playing on a console with more than two controllers. Or, you know, just two controllers. Uh, Most of the consoles I grew up with just had two controllers with the exception of the N64, which had four. Yeah. Uh, I don't count my PlayStation multi-tap because not much games were designed to use it anyway. Not in fairness to P- to PS One and PS Two. Let's see. PS One never really got, never really had effective ways of m- using that multi-tap. Besides, I think I could count twenty games, but not no more than that. 
Hey, so more games than the uh, failed Nintendo Virtual Boy. That was only like, what, five? Eleven. Okay, at least it's not a single-digit number. Well, it would be single-digit in the American market, I think. The other two games are only Japan release. Ah, so the first... So the only system in current history that actually had a single-digit library. I'm pretty sure there are others that had single-digit libraries, but, you know, they're so obscure, people don't care about them. So I'd assume you're going to count the Odyssey into that. No, the Odyssey actually had more games. Okay. The Odyssey actually had a number of games, but we've the Odyssey. Uh, you guys might not know what the Odyssey is. It's an older console, same with the similar to the Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, the Dynasty used a archaic ROM system. The Odyssey used well a different system altogether. But anyway, going I'm back going to the topic. The topic. Uh, if you were gaming with friends, it was with consoles. PC gaming was kind of a joke when people saw you had the PC. They're like, "Wow, what are you going to do with that?" Until, well, lots of PC games came out. The, one of the biggest ones, at least for my childhood, was Counter-Strike. I mean, as much as I loved Red Alert 1, uh, Age of Empires, Warcraft 1 and 2, and the early StarCraft, uh, me and my friends played Counter-Strike, mainly because we played Medal of Honor on the console, and we played... Uh, uh, I don't believe we played Call of Duty on the console. I think it was Medal of Honor on the console, and the Golden Eye on N64 with four players. That was amazing. So, Counter-Strike was kind of something, hey, this makes sense. Let's go into this. Okay. I still remember the first time I played Counter-Strike. It was so weird to me. Why? Well, first. I didn't use a mouse at all for these type of games. This was the first time you needed to use a mouse? Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, I th- I mentioned a few times where I played in the professional circuit first thing. Yeah. First time I played Counter-Strike, I hated it. Okay. I didn't like the game. It felt so weird. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand anything. Uh, the first map I played was the Alice map, which was a hostage rescue map. Okay. I didn't understand the game. I didn't understand what I was doing. I kind of got confused. And the next game I played after that was the Rainbow Six series. Oh, okay. So complete opposites in the FF- and the FPS spectrum here. Yeah. But that was pretty much the game limits. I mean, you had these indie games, like the half... Well, not indie games, but you had these newer PC games that were pretty big. Yeah. At least we think them big nowadays, but back then it was very different from PC gaming. Yeah. It was not a pinball game. It was not a basic single player game. It had lots of things to it. It wasn't a basic pack-in game. It was basically a more fleshed out experience. I mean, people might be saying like, no, Doom, uh, Castle Wolfenstein, a number of earlier games in the early, early 1992 onwards to 96. But thing is, uh, Half-Life really made a big change in the thing in the market yeah. especially with the mods that were made for it I mean I didn't even understand what the mod was back then really no I didn't understand what mod was I mean I was a kid I said hey another game it took me I think two years before I realized that Counter-Strike was a mod for Half-Life two years yeah okay it was like hey cool this thing's actually Half-Life and I actually played Half-Life after playing Counter-Strike oh uh, it's I kind of guess it felt like you know I played Dota and then oh my god there's a single player version yeah it's kind of like kinda, I played Counter Strike and hey Half Life but yeah, yeah but Counter Strike uh, is kind of what started up the gaming things in the net cafes at least from what I experienced as a kid uh, also in, a little bit of background in, here Paolo in, did not I really... never grew, um to to uh, go on 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 what uh, Miko's describing I never really grew up with uh, internet cafe culture and I was only really uh quote-unquote formally introduced to it back in my college years so um so from my high school to grade school i only went anywhere from a from a collective number of five to twelve times of which 
yeah, five to twelve times within the entirety of grade school, high school, and and it's only been within the past five years in my college years that I actually have a better grasp of what ca- cafe culture is. So I don't really have much context on the history of it, though I do have to agree with the fact that one of the biggest drivers were was indeed Counter Strike because I know for a fact that's what a lot of my classmates were playing. I mean, if you weren't playing Counter Strike, you're probably playing Diablo at that point. Yeah. Uh, Diablo One, Diablo uh, Diablo One was a big thing. Diablo Two though was pretty huge. Same with uh, playing Warcraft and Starcraft. Uh, not Dota or any of the weird maps. It was actually just playing the standard RTS. Yeah. Uh, these were fun, especially Mech Warrior was a thing then as well. Uh, some other first-person shooters, Medal of Honor was a thing. Call of Duty One and Two. Uh, essentially lots of FPS type games racing games I remember Need for Speed was a very fun game back then okay but yeah I mean uh, PC gaming was very limited uh, I think the most fleshed out game I remember was uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator which you know wasn't exactly fun unless you really 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 enjoyed planes wait really? yeah it was a very very well done game in fairness to what it was okay but uh, yeah gaming was a big thing but the reason why Netcafes kind of started switching to this was simply because gamers apparently had money and they just realized gamers that when... Gamers had money and gamers are also a very consistent crowd. And they stayed long. I mean, the yeah. businessman or the student would come in would probably use the computer for... 30 minutes. One hour, 30 minutes, minutes, one hour, two hours, sometimes even, even less. Sometimes. Heck, I've used... In college, we've used a uh, computer for under five minutes. Yeah. Ten minutes. Yeah. Or something we skip it all together and just go ahead and print. Yeah. Or scan. Print or scan or or send file or receive file or whatnot. Now, the thing is, gamers, they would spend on average four to five hours in a cafe. At times, some, at times certain groups will actually stay for the, for the entirety of the uh, time that... For the entirety of the working hours or even beyond that. Like that one time where we... Where we gamed until 5... Was it 5, 6 a.m.? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Heck, I mean, NetGrill, which was uh, the cafe my uncle owned, uh, me and my friends would all meet up there, and it would never be planned. We just knew people would be there. Okay. They would open at 9 a.m. and close at 6 p.m. We'd be there from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. We'd be there waiting by the door at 8.45, and we'd leave at 6. Okay. We spent the entire working day there, and that was about twenty-five pesos per hour. And if you got the card, you could get twenty pesos, and you could get twenty pesos. It was kind of a weird, like a promo thing. Oh, okay. Now, just imagine that you had people there, and there were about six to eight of us. So you had eight computers filled for the entire time. It's essentially making money for the entire period. There was no time it wasn't running. Hmm. I mean, even in college when we played games, when we weren't playing games, we still paid for the time, you know, it was open for us. Yeah. Gamers, they saw us gamers as, wow, these people stay here long. Yeah. And so they slowly actually started accepting and putting in some games. The first few games, of course, being Warcraft, Starcraft, and Counter-Strike. Yeah. Age of Empires was still a thing, but that was slowly being pushed out. Yeah. Uh, so you'd see business people and gamers in the same place. Now these two people don't mix. Gamers are noisy. Yes, they we are. We are noisy. Pretty no- uh, very noisy. Lots of the noise actually came because of one part. There, people who went to net cafes were either part of the arcade culture, yeah, where noisy was a norm. 
Yes, it was. And you came from the console side where when you play with your friends, you'd be yelling at each other anyway. Yes. Yes. So when you put these people in a business center, which was supposed to be, you know, quiet, uh, good luck. We're going to be noisy. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. This little line that's passing through that represents quiet, well, it just turned into a giant wave. Yep. Now... Of course, the Netcafes had to make a choice here. They saw that their business clients, were, the businessmen and the students, were a little com- were complaining because of the noise levels. And at the same time, the gamers were not really paying attention to them and would be annoyed when they tried to get into some sort of argument, which has happened a number of times. Okay. Now, for a business owner perspective, they kind of saw that these clients, these business guys, as, yeah, they had money. Yes. However, they didn't spend the money. I yes. mean, even though a businessman would make, you know, uh, hundreds and thousands of pesos per day versus a student who mm-hmm. barely gets like a 30, 40, 50 peso allowance a day or something. Yeah. Now you think, hey, the businessman has more money. But the reality but he's is... he's not spending it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money he has if he doesn't spend it. Now these gamers, even though they had barely any income, they're pay- would they're, spend they're a majority you, of it... They're spending in, it on you. Oh yeah, on the, play, on the games, on the things there. Now, the only issue they saw with the gamers was the fact that gamers only really came in the weekends. Yes, that is usually the case. So they saw an interesting switch of having businessmen in the weekdays and gamers on the weekends until summer came. The very first summer uh, when the gaming thing became a bigger thing in these internet cafes. Then the gamers came in droves. They came in huge droves. I remember... Every single day... Uh, I don't think Paolo's ever been to this net cafe. It was called Area 51. I might have heard of it. You probably heard of it because all of us have played in it who've gone to net cafes. Area 51 was the biggest net cafe in our area at that time. It was three stories and had about 220 computers. Okay. This was purely for gaming, nothing else. Hmm. They survived five years purely on that market only. Because they found out that the number of people, even though you're supposed to be in school, would skip school to play. Yeah. And these computers would be filled up constantly. I mean, they'd be played by the high school kids, elementary kids, uh, homeless kids, the squatters, because they could afford it. And it was just income. Uh, the only reason why Area one kind of slowly died down was newer cafes were coming out. Okay. Uh, one very memorable cafe being CC4MB. Okay. Uh, if you wonder why it's called 64 MB, because that was the newest video card at that point. Video card or RAM? Uh, sorry, RAM. Sorry, not video card. RAM. Uh, 64 MB of RAM. When I was playing in Counter Strike Professional Online, I had 128 MB worth of RAM. Yeah. That it was, was awesome. That was big back <laughs> in the day. It was awesome. So 64 MB was the gaming cafe because it had the newest equipment. It didn't have as much computers, but newer stuff. And then there's this other place. Uh, we called it Rose. That was not the name of the place. It was almost like an inn. Because you'd have people who were sleeping there. It was the first cafe that was 24 hours. Hmm. Okay. So they never closed area 51 actually did have closing times though it changed in the years but this one did not have any versus the other case that had the basic business day you had nine to five nine to six things like that this did not it was 24 hours seven days a week okay and they were making tons of money 
their issue was not uh, losing money bec- on weekends or anything. Their issue was actually people coming in to actually uh, hustle people for cash or other things. It was actually petty theft and lower criminality was an issue. It had nothing to do with any business problem. Oh, and for me, I thought the problem would be the fact that that you'd have a guy like hoboing it out and oh no that, that's seat. normal no, that's normal you'd actually see people you know almost living there i i know like one of my friends he, he kind of stayed there like uh three days out of a week so here's my question did he start naming the furniture after did he start naming the furniture no no he just brought his own furniture did he start naming that i don't know i didn't ask if he had a name on things why, why would i ask someone if he names his furniture that cut that is an indication of how long he's lived in the place you live so long when, so when do you go to someone and ask him did you name that chair i don't know it's a i don't know it seems like a valid question how is that a valid question again i again <laughs> keyword seems i didn't say it is it see again keyword seems i didn't say it is seems is what i said yeah, I, I don't even know how that seems to be a valid question. I won't go to someone. Hey, what's the name of your stool? Hey, what's the name of your chair? No, so, if no, because if I mean, made- I can see people like, what do you call your car, or you know, something like that. But I mean, the closest closest bit of furniture I can imagine people naming might be the toilet, or yeah. might be the fridge, or maybe a computer. But that's not refurnishing or. Well, there's a there's so, a fridge. Somehow I'm going I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say that if they start naming the furniture stuff, then something must something must have happened or something must have gone on in the in the head or something. That's what I can say. But anyway, going on, uh, moving along with the topic, uh, by the mid two thousands, the fact that uh, the idea that com- internet cafes had a business thing was a completely was completely an afterthought. It was a secondary function. Not even a secondary function at all. For lots of places, it was not secondary. Fun. It was just this. Yeah, our computers can do that. Yeah, it was not at all a plan. It just yeah, we can do that because computers were designed to do such. Um, they did put, not to uh, put some perspective based on a lot of the internet cafes I've seen. Most of the internet cafes I've seen now only have about one or two printers, and that's usually like in the counter. I'd assume back in the day there were there'd be more there'd be more of those there'd be more of those printers. Uh, it's not really more of those printers, but any more uh, heavy-duty printers, or they'd have special printers for photos or other things that have fact machines, so, lots of other things. So in short, they would have had more. Print- it looked like it looked like an office. So in short, more printer, more printers and fax back in the day. Yeah, but there were, there'd be more printers, scanners, and fax back in the day. But it would these- well, it looked like an office. Yeah. Simply put, but it's these, an office. But these days, most of that equipment, you're only going to see. You're only going to actually see it. If you actually look behind the counter. Yeah. These days. Mainly because it's an afterthought. Uh, I mean, even like a gaming cafe like Mineski, you can actually, you know, have your things printed if you wanted. I yeah. mean, they do have the facilities. Is that the primary thing? No. No. It's probably, they'll just be, oh yeah, we can print that for you. We can do it for you, but that's not our main thing. And there's some cafes that still try to do the half and half. Then you'll see a lot in malls or near schools. I actually, You'll actually see this a lot. In schools or in schools, schools that are also um, also situated near communities where where people where the uh, people who pro- would most likely go there would usually be the people who don't exactly have the income for a consistent connection. Therefore, most of these people would be getting their access from the cafe. 
And if you wonder what they're accessing, MMOs. Uh, the first major MMO that would uh, actually be in- a number of these people would just be uh, would just be getting into these cafes just for general access to a computer in general. Yeah, but the yeah. internet back then was actually really heavy MMO. Yeah, but I'm also even describing now. Oh yeah, now. Yeah. But we still go online. Yeah, but there, yeah, but there's some. But again, um, considering the nature of where we live, let's just say that not. Let's just say that we haven't come to a point where the grand majority of the people in this island can afford can afford Wi-Fi. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the Philippines has one of the most expensive services, and we have the most expensive internet service and one of the slowest internet service in Asia. I think we are ranked lowest in speed. No, no, we no, no. Someone beat us already. Which one? India. No, no, no. India's data is skewed. Okay. Because one of the Indians, remember, they're doing it on the average. Yeah. India's was second largest population in the world. Okay, that you make a good point. And where majority call centers that use internet services yeah. are there. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So it's skewed. Yeah. The same way China's appears very slow because it's also skewed data. Largest Hong pop- Kong... I'm sorry, Hong Kong. I their free internet in the hotel I went to was eighty Mbps. Eighteen. Eighty. Eight zero. So what, was the, what were the upload speeds? Uh, about sixty. Keep keeping this note in mind. We'll upload in foreign country. Uh yeah, but essentially India and China both data skewed because of their large population. So oh. we're still pretty much the slowest. I mean, Bali is just a little faster than us by maybe. I think 0.1.2 Mbps, but their things are cheaper. With exception yeah. of 3G, which the 3G is really expensive. 3G is really expensive, and if I'm correct, um, the amount of money, the amount of money you're paying for a 20 Mbps connection here is the same amount of money you'd be paying for what speed in another country? Uh, well, like what we're paying for for 20 Mbps for 20 Mbps. Like if I was in the United States and getting fiber. I would be able to get two to three fiber accounts. Two to three fiber accounts at and what? at a hundred Mbps to hmm. one. Th- that's actually no, sorry, not a hundred. Uh, one thousand Mbps. Hmm. I could get three of those accounts for a cost for a twenty Mbps line here. Nice. Yeah. Kind of the situation. Where so that what also forced people further into going to cafes because basically that's the, that was actually that's pretty much also their only real access to well, a computer and internet in general. And also going back to what I mentioned about MMO games, uh, one of the biggest ones in the Philippines uh, when I was younger actually being Ragnarok. Yeah. Now, there were a lot of MMOs. I mean, EverQuest was a big thing. So was Ultima Online. Uh, Cabal was also a big thing. But Ragnarok really took the Philippines by storm. Yeah. Uh, And that became one of the biggest MMOs here. And you would see everyone back in the early 2000s uh, to late ninety, uh, no, sorry, just early two thousands, playing it. I mean, I played Ragnarok for I think seven years. Dang! I was there in the beta way; it was all free. Uh, I was in the chaos server with the saints, and we went on the Valkyrie server. Then we played on the PvP server still with saints. Then we went on the newest one, which I don't enjoy anymore because it's pretty crazy and that's a whole different issue. We'll talk about in our time before I start ranting. But yeah, these the access to internet at a cheaper rate at twenty five pesos per hour that you could just know you have to pay only when you're there versus yeah. getting one at home. And the other yeah. part was getting a PC that could run a game properly because and you know getting the game. 
uh, unlike today where you know gaming PC worth is a thing and people understand the concept of having a nice setup and a good yeah. computer I mean even and, the current Macs can run some pretty good games and to be fair hardware manufacturers have actually gotten gotten into the mind of you know letting lower lower end stuff actually be able to run good good games uh, back then when they saw a computer computer was really a working device I mean when my parents bought a computer it was the first computer we got was a Mac it was an app was the Apple and the Apple II, the Lisa uh, it was primarily for work my dad needed for documents and for working on some other things uh, okay. my mom did the same thing uh, I used it for playing my point play games uh, so the idea of getting a computer and making it a gaming setup, which was using the earlier video cards and getting these good, getting a more RAM than you would essentially need for anything that you'd need work-wise. I mean, honestly, I don't think I need 16 gigs of RAM to do work on my computer. I mean, it's awesome, yeah. but I don't obviously need that for work. Yeah. Now, if imagine yourself in the early 2000s and you're trying to convince your parents to get a 256 MB RAM, uh, bit of RAM for their computer, which they saw was, I need this for my emails. What is this thing and why is it so expensive? Yeah. So just doing that was crazy. And of course, games. Well, getting games here was pretty difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think we mentioned this in another episode. We mentioned this in another... We've mentioned... Uh, we'll probably mention this in another episode. And probably one of our later... One of our later projects might also touch into this quite a bit. But obtaining games locally was not the easiest thing to do unless you were willing to gain them from, well, questionable sources. And not just that. Uh, when you got this game it's not like your friends would have it and if your friends had it you couldn't exactly play with them especially if it's your PC yeah because again the net speed wasn't that great so you'd be forced to go to a net cafe yeah and it made sense for a lot of people I mean I go there pay 25 pesos an hour to play a large library of games which back then was about 8 games Okay. We, we didn't really have much choices and you know people didn't really care for people much didn't games really, to be fair most of to be fair, the usual nature. One, the other na- thing I've noted with, at least based on what I've seen with internet caf- cafes back in the day, compared to within the past seven years, is the fact that um, the people who played back then were mostly playing any number of about thir- uh, four to eight games, which usually included some retinue, some retinue that that had. Say Warcraft, Starcraft, Counter Strike, like um, whatever was the hot RTS at the time, and certain and uh, one or two MMOs back in the day. I think it was around the time when it, I think it was around the time that uh, Ragnarok and Dota came in at a practically the same time that we suddenly saw some. We uh, suddenly saw things saw things where more people were playing more games and if anything I think that's the conti- that's the continuing trend at the moment is it uh yeah pretty much I mean people still go into do those different kinds of games and I must have mentioned like the eight games from back then yeah are now what 80 games in some cafes like Mineski offers over 50 different games and i could and i could almost assure myself that if i stayed in maneski for a full 24 hours 
I could probably identify more than eight games, eight different games being played. Gosh, uh, not just eight games. I mean, they were playing a lot of games. Yeah. And it's something that's been growing to the point where, yeah, uh, you really have gaming cafes. Uh, Egg was one of them. Mineski is one of them. Uh, Turtle's Nest, which was in... uh, uh, Where was that place in Artigas? I forgot the place where all the bars were. Essentially, that was also a gaming cafe. C3 was a gaming cafe. Serendipity was pretty much a gaming cafe, even though it kind of was half business. It primarily became gaming. It primarily became gaming, part particularly because of the crowd that came in, of the, that came in from the high school, from the surrounding high schools, and and UAP, and I I don't know. I think we had a hand in that, honestly. No, it was just bound to happen, honestly. Yeah, I know, but I just can't help but feel we had a hand a hand in that. I don't know. There were like. We, I, I'm, I'm sorry. There were like numerous moments where we were involved somehow. Well, I mean, also if you're kind of wondering, you know, how much money could a set of gamers bring into a establishment? Half the rent. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, the Channel Fourteen Boys, along with Bodega, was able to do. Half the rent. We essentially paid for half the month's rent between I think it was just eight of us, which would be playing every Saturday. And if I'm correct. If I'm correct, there was also back in that area. There was actually a big. Uh, there's a. There's a. There's somewhat of what I'd call a closing season of a number of internet cafes. After that season ended, I could tell you that Serendipity was one of the one was probably one of the only ones still standing after that. Oh yeah, mainly because well, it had a very loyal market base. Uh, the people who are going to the other cafes were essentially people getting their basic business stuff done because it was just a little closer. Yeah. And of course, gamers would check that one out, but what? But thing was, Serendipity had an interesting choice of games. Yes. Partially because I actually installed a number of my games in there. I, if I remember, uh, I think three of my games were installed there, one being, one the most popular being Battlefield Vietnam. I'm almost... And all the mods. <laughs> I'm almost certain that's the case. I remember some people playing Battlefield Vietnam and Point of Existence. Uh, point of existence awesome game you guys should check it out uh, well awesome mod for Vietnam check it out guys uh, not Vietnam Battlefield 2 uh, the original Vietnam anyway uh, yeah gaming culture uh, the cafe culture grew from being business to what is today a heavy heavy gaming thing I mean to the point that you see in Korea where they had to have laws to make sure people don't stay there too long it's and actually, in China, there are people who live in cafes and have these camps for gaming addiction and things. Honestly, the gaming addiction here is another topic we should look into. But I am not a big to gaming addiction. For me, it's not exactly real. I would only go into the gaming addiction topic if I could also gain like some first-hand accounts from people who've seen it happen or people who've gone through it. But well, that's um, simple. Let's go to look at anyone playing Farmville, uh, Bejeweled, uh, Candy Crush. <laughs> uh, those oh, are some G-Wings. But uh, uh, again, I'm, that's a topic that's for a entirely different, different, episode. different episode. Yeah, that's and a, yeah. that's a, not even third world. That's a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, but the, though when you when you bring up uh, Korean PC bongs, I also I also should te- I should also should note the nature of that culture is also pretty interesting considering that it's already gotten to the point where people who frequent pc bongs are also given you know exclusive um you know given benefits or exclusive 
exclusive stuff. I know that Blizzard gives you special items if you're a regular PC bongoer. It's like um, this was something that w- was going on back when Diablo 3, 3 and StarCraft 2 launched. If you were if you went to a PC bong, you had uh, you could access your account and get you know some special item or some special bonus for it. So pretty much it wasn't it. So pretty much this. So pretty much what was a cultural phenomenon, you know, became uh, part of the industry. He, he merged in and even affected the way the industry de- uh, uh, interacted with the with uh, these people. Yep, and well, at this point, what we're watch, what I'm actually wondering is, what is the future of these cafes? I mean, we've seen so much change from how they were in the beginning to how they are now, to the point that they're accepting so much gaming equipment, consoles, especially the new things coming in, such as Google Glass. We have the Oculus Rift. We have the Morpheus. Was it from Sony? The Morpheus from Sony, and also those numerous, uh, those numerous systems where you had so many things attached to you that you could like. Uh, that you could like you know play a shooter where you are actually holding the gun what do you call those again uh well those are immersive games and those are using like three to four different systems now if you're wondering why that would be a pc thing because those run on pc they are not console based i don't think any console right now can you know power those i'm just i i I have to be honest there i know i'm shooting like 10 nukes with that statement but i will i will stand for the truth even if it causes the end of the world. 10 PS4s can run that. <laughs> anyway, guys. 12. Let's make it biblical. Anyway, guys. So, <laughs> let's, let's know in the comments below what you think about cafe culture. I mean, what's your experience with it? I mean, I'm sure all of you guys have tried it in different stages of its uh, existence. From when it was purely business to the weird hybrid days. To a point where it became almost like an arcade to how it is now where it's just a noise fest of people playing LOL, Dota, Haunt, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty and tw- and about anywhere from 12 to 20 MMOs and those three guys reading manga and that one person on Facebook anyway so let us know in the comments below uh, we hope you enjoy this and if you got to this point The off-tangent segment. Jaws. Hey, Jaws here. Hey, Jaws. Maybe we should go to Paolo. I think it's an easier mic. My mic doesn't like the rear. Hey. <laughs> hey guys. Uh, this is the off-tangent, and yeah, there's something actually. This is generally not supposed to be talking about things gaming-related right now, but uh, one big piece of news: uh, Microsoft bought Mojang. What's it? Okay, I now don't what have- is Mojang? Makers of Minecraft. What is Minecraft? The ge- a game that Miko likes a lot. Okay, it's like the third biggest game in the world right now. It's, it's not just a game I enjoy, but it's a massive game. I'm only saying this because I don't have an opinion <laughs> on the matter. So I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask Zhao what's his opinion on the matter. What, like the Minecraft sale? Yeah. Yeah, uh they bought Minecraft. Microsoft. Yeah. Now Lights, right now, people are saying it's a horrible deal. It's a horrible idea because uh, a number of things. I mean, Microsoft, we they've not had the best... They have a mixed history when it comes to buying things. 
when it comes to buying game studios, I know for a fact that a lot of people who are spouting who are spouting the Armageddon horn, they're looking at what happened to Rare. And even Bungie, as much as a success right now, kind of was heavily, heavily changed and altered. And that's something I guess they're worrying heavily with Mojang was what the community is today and what it's developed into and where it came from. You, if you change any of that, they feel everything will collapse. Yeah. Especially when it comes to well, the fact that Minecraft allows people to monetize, uh, monetize on their IP. Yeah. And the other part, which is, I mean, even Notch openly said, if you want to try the game, pirate it. Okay. Those are very, very different ideas to what Microsoft would want to do. Very different. Now, uh, Zhao mentioned uh, prior when we talked in our time was they probably will not block the multi-platforms just because it runs on Java. Yeah. Unlike console where that might be a thing, I'm not sure. Probably currently with the PS3 and the PS4, maybe they might not stop the deals because they're probably ongoing. The deals are ongoing and for and from what I know, Sony does... From what I know, Sony's still on track to releasing uh, the PS Vita version of the game. Which brings us to what happens with Minecraft 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now people are saying it might be a horrible thing. But uh, actually, what's a YouTuber? I currently describe him. You should check him out. Uh, Spumwack. He actually very made a very interesting point, which yeah. was... Minecraft was sold to Microsoft for $2.5 billion. That's about twice, nearly three times the amount of money that Amazon paid to buy Twitch. Now, think about this. Would Microsoft be really be willing to do a $2.5 billion thing and probably mess it up or effectively change things so much that they th- it'll probably kill their own purchase? All I can say is that they're not... <laughs> all I can say is that they're not EA in that regard. That's all it can it's, say. I mean, it's going to be a, ver- be a very expensive mistake, and the mistakes are going to be very obvious. Again, I'd expect EA to make that kind of blunder. Microsoft? Yes, I would expect them to make that kind of blunder, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I hold a differing opinion to the man who said that. The man being Zhao. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I know that Microsoft could mess this up. I, that's, I mean, we that's saw strong, what happened to their very first Xbox. That's a very strong possibility. And again, look at what happened to Rare. Yeah. So when it comes to purchasing tech properties or whatever, when it comes to purchasing stuff, a company, uh, the, the purchasing company can do one of two things, right? They can just leave the thing alone, let them do their thing, or they can... Uh, what's the word in English? Like in Bisaya, it's hilabot. Like mess around with it, right? Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, say Facebook's Oculus Rift purchase, for example. Uh, Facebook just let the Oculus Rift do their thing. Yeah. Right? They just let the Oculus team do their thing. Uh, on the other hand, there is Microsoft when they bought Bungie. Uh, Bungie, before it became Bungie as we know it today, was pretty much known for Mac games only. Sorry, Miko. Um, yeah. So Microsoft I, is the reason you don't have your Mac exclusive games with Bungie anymore. I had Halo One. See. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else? Oh yeah. Uh, when when Microsoft purchased Nokia, uh, they just recently laid off like a lot of people. And they're actually going to break Nokia. 
Microsoft. they're going to be dropping the Nokia branding within about a year a year or two's time. So they uh, do the purchase, then kill. So they do the purchase, know. then w- then we then uh, we make it in our image thing. Then um, there's that other thing about how um, uh, Minecraft is a game that is so heavily focused on community. Oh yeah, and yeah. what has Microsoft done that is heavily community centered, right? Like they aren't very good at cultivating a community. So they got lucky with Halo. Yeah, see, so like yeah. generally they aren't very good at cultivating community. Like even with, um, even with Bungie, the first thing they did was get rid of its core audience because you know, Mac exclusives. So yeah, yeah. like so, so like, this Xbox. is this is out of this is sort of out of Microsoft's wheelhouse, I guess. But you know, I they they might not be stupid enough to blow two point five billion dollars on, uh, this. But then again, they can afford it. Actually, I think they could. And, I mean, as bad as they say that if... Because there are lots of people, I remember, when I was on the server today. Uh, it's a public server, so you have a whole bunch of people from ranging ages. Yeah. You hear lots of them saying, you know, I'm going to stop my game today. And you see lots of servers saying, you know, we want to kill our thing right now. Because they're so worried about what may happen and what charges may come. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, looking at it... Re- Seeing that it is again the third most purchased game in history at this time, even if you lose probably half your market, that's still a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know what's the thing is their return of their ROE was it the return of return uh, on invest ROI? No, no, there's uh, if I remember from economics class, it's supposed to be ROE or something, R- I return on equity or something, return on equity. Okay, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, return on if it's they're, if they're not going to touch anything. They'll make back their money supposedly within Neck, uh, two to two three years. years. Two years, actually. Now, if they do touch it, maybe five years. Especially again, uh, community. The reason why Minecraft has such a major community is the fact that, uh, heck, Notch allowed people to make money off his IP. Hmm. He allowed people to make merchandise based off his IP. Hmm. He allowed people to essentially get his idea and make money out of it and do whatever they pleased with it. He's hmm. a guy who said, you want to try my game? Hey, I have a demo version, or you can pirate it. Hmm. What developer in his right mind would pretty much be saying that? A developer. <laughs> a developer who actually wants his game to go far and wide. The thing is, Notch didn't even want that. Uh, Notch yeah. is the guy who made this... Uh, oh, gosh, I, I hate how I keep forgetting his actual name, but... Uh, Marco, Marcus Pearson. Yeah, there we go. Uh, he didn't when he first when he first made it. He never expected it to be this big. But in fairness, who does? I mean, who yeah. makes something expecting it to be big? Except maybe Michael Bay, Chris Nolan, and other. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah, many people yeah, don't yeah. think they're gonna make something big. But it was just amazing. But he, uh, I did read his letter to why he did it, and it does make sense. Uh, Mojang is a small company. It is. It's minuscule. I think we might have more people on Channel Fourteen. <laughs> uh, can you comment on that? Nah, I was just waiting for you to come up with like a rebuttal or whatever because you know I told yeah. you, I already because, said, because you said you were cool with it so like wh- why are you cool with it? No, no, no! I I'm not cool with it. I said Do you I have, hate freedom. No, no, I'm no, no, <laughs> no, no. kidding. I'm kidding. I I said I I specifically said I had no opinions on the matter, so it's like I'm more interested in listening to what you guys have to say. <laughs> But yeah, but uh, with Microsoft's purchase, I mean, I am g- I will run with the idea that I don't think anyone in the right mind would make a two point five billion dollar mistake. 
I uh, mean, they will unless, obviously make so much it's money. EA. Yeah, but to be fair, I think EA will never touch this because it's completed game. I mean, they have this habit of getting you know half baked stuff first. I'm sorry, but um, I I've seen the way EA works. They have made expensive mistakes numerous times. Yet they're still alive. They no no they know they know how they know how they know how to sweet talk the they know how to sweet talk people into giving them loans. Why? But yeah, I mean, uh, he did make it did make sense. He was stating that he could not handle what the game has become, and he couldn't handle what he had become at that point. Basically, which he, he describes as he became some sort of symbol. He became of, a concept. Yeah, he be- basically a symbol. Yeah, <laughs> Notch became a symbol and a concept. He became the Flappy Bird guy. But the Flappy Bird guy went crazy a lot faster. Yeah. But yeah, as Notch said, he didn't do it for the money. He did it to save his sanity. Yeah. Though to be fair, I mean, yeah, two point five billion dollars is still that's a lot. Yeah, that is. He's, he's, he's set for life. Every time that Microsoft makes money off of uh, Minecraft, he gets a cut of it, right? Uh, no, he completely... He completely divested he, himself? Yeah. Okay. Completely. Yep. So there... He sold his 70%. O- ownership of the company. Yeah. Okay. He and didn't he, want it. He, apparently, at this point, Minecraft became a bit of a nightmare for him. Uh, oh, and while we're on the topic, um, yes, it's been confirmed uh, numerous times that it, I think it's already been confirmed that uh, Notch was the guy was the one who approached Microsoft for the deal, not not vis-a-vis. Well, I mean, they've been talking for a lot of times because you know the Xbox has lots of uh, things for it, especially with the latest Halo mashup. Yeah, and come on, Xbox One. The fact that you could move your maps from Xbox to Xbox One. That was an amazing thing. Achievement City to live on. <laughs> actually you actually you actually they've pretty much opened that compatibility to other like past gen, current gen system thingies now. So, so I think it works. I'm curious though. Who do you think would be the re instinct person to buy it out? Who? If not Microsoft, who do you think would be an instinct thing? Who would be an interesting thing? Insane group to purchase. Mojang? Phil Fish. <laughs> Valve. <laughs> yeah, Valve. Valve would be interesting. I was actually leaning on Bethesda because I feel they have better community mindset. Yeah. Plus, you know, I would love to see a really insane mashup of what would Bethesda do to Minecraft. I have no idea. <laughs> Minecraft will have a story and have lore. I have no idea on this on this statement. Um, 2K. That's actually a very scary idea. <laughs> no, well, actually, it's scary on the on the set. No, actually, the scary part. No, the only scary part there is the amount of money you'd be paying on DLC. Can you imagine Square Enix bought this? Oh gosh, they're gonna—they're going to make it the most pretentious thing in the universe. I'd so actually love to see Hideo Kojima do Minecraft. That would be—that uh, would—that uh, would be awesome. Oh, Hideo Kojima and uh, what's that guy, director uh, G- doing the new Guillermo Silent Hill Six? Del yeah, Guillermo del Toro is doing Silent Hill Six, and they're getting that guy from uh, Walking Dead to play the main character. Oh, cool! The hillbilly. Cool. The not the hillbilly with the crossbow. Sorry, I do not remember the characters' names. I'm very, not very bad Darryl. at names. Not Daryl. Just say not Daryl and if it's not Daryl. Yeah, but essentially, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to... I don't know if I'm going to play playing it or watching it. Why are you saying that? Because platform... Hideo Kojima. Oh, right. Metal Gear Solid 4. Oh, yeah. I remember the, playable, the playable movie. 
I'm so yeah, yeah. So I yeah. am looking very forward to watching truth. Silent Hill Six, the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, no. MGS Four was not the best uh, statement for that. Ground Zero is this. In friends, I enjoyed Ground Zero. Yeah, it, no, it's just that you know how, how fast can you finish the game again? Uh, the record right now is I think seven minutes. How ma- how long are the cutscenes? Be fair, ma- to how fair, long are the uh, Mario Brothers One was all seven minutes. I think. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how long are the cutscenes? Uh, you think Metal Gear Solid Four, which had no Ground Zero. Ground Zero, I actually don't remember how long the cutscenes were. Metal Gear Solid Four though had seven hours of cutscenes. So in short, movie. So Silent Hill Six, you know, it'll be the Silent Hill sequel movie. It's like that Heavy Rain game. Heavy rains. Heavy rain. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> awesome. I, no, I think it. I think it was. Be, I think it was Beyond Two Souls that was closer to that. We don't talk about that one. I, I still like the idea of Phil Fish buying Minecraft. So, so what do you guys think? <laughs> so uh, this is becoming like a weird two-part episode. So or something. Phil Fish buys <laughs> Minecraft. I wonder what he's gonna say on Twitter about that. I'm not gay fish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when's the next South Park season starting? It's like I've been a long while since I saw a new episode. They mentioned that it was starting before the end of the year. That is not helpful in any way. <laughs> I just recalled reading that somewhere. Was it on Reddit? I heard that's legit. Not re- not Reddit. There was some media site. Was it The Onion? It was... <laughs> it was tied to the whole... Oh, the whole it. fact that uh, the, that the entirety of South Park is now pretty much stuck on Hulu. Oh, yeah, but I, you know, I, I've noticed. That. Have you noticed how many people have been falling for Onion News lately? It's always been a thing, though. No, it's like lately I've been seeing more satirical things being shared. And it's like, do people really believe? It's like the one that was getting shared recently, which was really old. Uh, but to be fair, it was not like from the Onion. It was from an actual news site, but it was posted on April first. <laughs> uh, was that one I think talking about <laughs> the Philippines trying to block Facebook and something because of taxes or something, and that was uh, being shared it. like uh, two three weeks ago. That was a that was. <clears throat> it's like doing this like, and everyone's like saying because it's from an actual news site. Yeah. Like this seems interesting, so click on it. Look on April first. I remember clicking on that link, but I was uh, li- I was directed to Adobe Chronicles, okay. and I and I know for a fact the nature of that site. My money, Jao. From the legal's perspective, if you're a satirical website, are you supposed to mention in bold somewhere that you are a satirical website, or is it you know up to the people's freedoms and to be smart enough to realize this is probably satire?